many private organizations do. I see. So it's a, it's a regular meeting, not because it was pitched, at least in the media, as a, a crunch meeting to deal with the economic challenges. Are you saying I that this is just a regular meeting you held? No, it is. We always do these cabinet retreats, and very often we even brief the press after what's there. But I think the media is right in pitching it as a crunch meeting because it comes at a time when there are major economic difficulties, and um, it took a good part of our time while we're there. But it's a regular meeting. Uh, this came at um, a time when there are key issues, and we had the opportunity to deal with them. I see. Um, so was this the normal cabinet or were there people like governor and things because the release again suggested that some of the reliefs would involve the central bank finance ministry so was this an expanded conversation because of the economic challenges or this was just the regular cabinet people again it was uh, the regular cabinet people but what happens is that uh, for every cabinet meeting whether it's even a normal cabinet meeting or a cabinet retreat depending on the issues you are dealing with you bring in the key uh, persons who have knowledge um, that is relevant to the discussion to provide their briefs. Um, so, for example, on matters of security, you will bring in sometimes, uh, you know, the National Security Advisor and the Chief of Defense Staff and uh, the National Intelligence Bureau to provide the necessary briefs to inform the decisions that are made. In this instance, because matters of the economy were of interest, matters of fuel pricing were of interest, People who have the relevant knowledge on these subjects were invited to provide briefs to assist cabinet and the president in making some decisions. So what are the major reliefs that have been agreed? That's the expectation we had after the meeting. We are told there will be some announcements by key institutions on some reliefs. So can you give me a summary of those reliefs? Let me try and run you through as much as I can. So first of all, the, the, the currency is a matter of interest to all of us. And the level of depreciation we've seen in the first quarter of this year, for the various reasons, do not excite uh, all of us. It's important to have some re remedial measures taken. The Bank of Ghana is the one that is responsible for, uh, may I say, currency stability or the stability uh, of the Ghanaian CDR compared to other currencies. The bank on its own does some work in that area, and it is our understanding that following the uh, Monetary Policy Committee meetings, which had actually started even before the cabinet uh, retreat, they will be making some announcements on how they plan to do their job, uh, which deals with inflation and which deals with um, monetary policy that will affect the currency. In addition to what they will do, the um, the executive branch of government will also take some measures to assist in um, shoring up uh, hard currency, which is one of the things we need to look at as part of the various body of measures to deal with the currency. And so we are all looking forward to what the, the, the Monetary Policy Committee will announce today. I think my understanding is that they will make the announcement today. And then... Um, subsequently during the week, the minister responsible for finance will also announce what the executive branch is doing to complement on the currency side. On the um, fiscal policy side, revenue, expenditure, debt management, um, the president also made some very clear decisions and gave some clear instructions that there should be no compromise on the agenda to 
improve fiscal consolidation and to bring us back on the deficit path of bringing us to 5.0 within the next two years, which will ensure that debt sustainability crystallizes. What that means is that we should expect some major expenditure cuts. The question is, who gets cut, what program gets cut, which ministry gets cut. And the levels have been agreed. The, um, the fiscal implications out of those cuts have been agreed. But it's important to complete the stakeholder engagement before the announcement so that we don't have the age-old problem of we're not consulted, we're not consulted. So on the, um, the fiscal policy side, mm-hmm. that has also been uh, decided the major decision is to ensure that the, the the deficit path is restored. Just a quick question on that before you continue, and I'm not diverting at all. Was the free SHS discussed? Because in the past week, we've heard, I think, Kennedy Nyaku, I think the name is, make some comments about it. We've also heard the Johnny Wa of the banking community also say that they feel that they should streamline the free SHS to only deal with those who need it. Was it discussed at all? And is it yes, part it of the discussed. issues? Yes, it was discussed. It was discussed in two levels. One, discussed on the fiscal consolidation path, which deals with general expenditure cuts and ensuring that the fiscal path is restored to about 5%, which means cutting some significant government expenditure, ministries, departments, agencies, and some programs. And then it was also discussed on the side of uh, flagship programs that need to be reprioritized so that in the end, you get the level of impact you are looking for, even within the constraints that you have. So yes, it was discussed. So item number two, as I mentioned, is um, the macrofiscal situation and how to ensure that mm-hmm. it is not damaged. I, uh, I think sorry, two, sorry, sorry. When you say flagship programs need to be reprioritized, that's a bit coded. So that, does that mean that it would be changed the way it's done? Because as we speak now, it's like a blanket subsidy for all secondary school parents. So when you say flagship programs that need to be reprioritized, what, what, what do you mean? I mean that all our 16 priority programs are up to be looked at. The big objective that the president has instructed is that as much as possible, flagship programs should be uh, protected and fully implemented to ensure that the impact is achieved. But it should be done within the constraints of uh, item number two, which is the budget, which is the fiscal framework we are working in. If we don't have money or if based on the cuts that we have agreed generally, 7.4 going down to 5, if based on those cuts, we need to rescope or rescale a particular flagship program, then do it and see how much you can achieve, but fitting within the fiscal constraints that we have. I don't know if I'm explaining yeah. it properly. So, so that so, so that means that all the I think you have twenty or fifteen flagship programs, right? Sixteen. Wow. All the sixteen are up for discussion, and it's possible yeah. for all of them to be cut. But the level of cut and the space, the place of cut is what has not been determined. But no, no nobody is off limits. Nobody is off limits. The most important thing, the president has laid down the red line that we will not compromise on the fiscal consolidation agenda. We will not compromise on the 7.4 deficit, bringing us to about 6 and 5 in there. Because our real problem over the years has been year-on-year deficits going out of hand. 
the effect, as you know, is that then the debt situation gets out of hand. COVID didn't help us um, in that regard. So the most important thing, or one of the most important things, is to hold the fiscal anchor, to hold the debt or the deficit anchor. 7.4, don't compromise on it. It means major expenditure cuts, match the expenditure cuts to how much revenue is coming in. So whatever you do, don't go beyond 7.4. What that means is that ministries, departments, agencies, programs that need to have a cut, cut. Deliver only as much as you can, but without compromising the face. And the president has been very clear on it, that there should be no basis on which you try to be politically correct only to mess up the the, the books. So that is item number two on the budget. Now, the finance minister and the the various social and economic stakeholders are uh, finishing their consultations to conclude who gets cut by what amount, what is the scope of the cut here, what is the scale of the cut here, or maybe this program will not be touched, but that one we can let go. And then on the, uh, and it starts from central government way down, right from the presidency way down, um, to ensure that the 7.4 is achieved so that we can also get to the 6 and then the 5 within the next um, two years, because that is critical. Wow. So I think that was that, that's serious. Item. So again, so summary, so far, I will let you continue. BOG will make an announcement later, and that is part of their own currency management and also monetary side issues. There will be, Ministry of Finance will also deal with issues of the uh, revenue and expenditure generally. Then no, on... no, I mean, sorry just to go back. The first one is CD, and you are right. Yeah. BOG has an angle, but... Um, Minister of Finance also has an angle to CD. Before you come to yes, budget, yes, yes. So CD Ministry of Finance has its angle. BOG has its angle, and we suspect the BOG will probably raise the prime rate by a certain percentage, hopefully to attract uh, portfolio investors. In fact, before you came on, I was talking to Courage Boti, who was saying that when you you slash when you raise the the, the policy rate, it may give some investors more confidence in the economy to come and buy our domestic bonds, bring more dollars into the economy. So that may work. But I'll leave that to the, 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 the BOG people. Now that you're on budget, you've given me two key things on budget. I, and people are waiting to hear something about petroleum. So far, I haven't heard anything. So please go on. What else is going to, be, is going to happen? <laughs> petroleum is item number three. I mean, I think the courses, there are two parts to it. First, we need to have an honest conversation about the courses of the petroleum price hikes globally. And then we need to also... Um, be honest with ourselves about what we can all do to contain the situation. I think first we all need to, and here I speak to politicians, we all need to be honest about the impact of the global petroleum situation on the local uh, market. Um, Though it may have a lagged effect, there's some truth we need to tell ourselves, not as though there's some wicked agenda in Ghana. But also even while admitting the difficulties, government cannot just throw its hands in the air and say it is because of um, a global situation. So what can government and other stakeholders do? Government has levies on petroleum, levies which go into the entire fiscal framework. Every one peswa on petroleum goes to add to total domestic revenue, which is not enough and for which we're already cutting expenses, uh, expenses that are corresponding to it. So there's a legitimate question. Can government cut any further on its revenue side? Already there are significant cuts on expenditure. 
can, can, can government cut any further on its revenues that are coming from petroleum? That's one question. Number two, what about the margins that uh, accrue to BDCs and um, OMCs? Can those margins also be dealt with in any way? Number three, in terms of hard currency availability to the importers, uh, can anything be done about that? Number four, in terms of the sources of refined products, whether it's from ore or from other international refineries or intermediaries, middlemen, can there be some policy discussions on amending those sources so that the cumulative effect is that the impact on the Ghanaian uh, pump price is mitigated. All the cards are on the table. The president has given some uh, instructions. So this morning, as I now, I'm sure some of the meetings have commenced, energy ministry, finance ministry, and some of the stakeholders in the industry are tackling these four matters. Government has indication of what it will prefer and is putting those indications on the table. But you need the partnership of the BDCs, the OMCs, uh, the banks, etc., to be able to achieve uh, some significant impact. Else, what can happen is that, I mean, if you take the total, I think the total levies come up to one CD 90 pesos. If you took it down by one CD 90 pesos, one CD 90 pesos as a percentage of the price build-up is maybe not that significant. And if you look at how the prices are fluctuating on the world market and the currency situation, you could take off one CD 90 pesos which annualizes, I think, the data we saw close to about $4.5 billion a year, which is significant. But if the global situation keeps going the way it's going, it will not mean much at the pump prices. Are you there, Bernard? Yes, I'm following you. Uh-huh. So you also want to examine the full continuum of issues uh-huh. so that even when you finally crystallize, okay, maybe take this off in terms of levies, but do this to the margins and do this to the supply of hard currency and do this to um, the, the supply sources, then you can actually achieve some more impact no matter what happens on the global scene. Else you just cut, let's say, 1.9 per liter, which will translate into a loss of about 4 billion revenue per annum. But the global situation, if you haven't changed supply sources and you haven't changed other things, you still see prices rocketing on there. So you're basically suggesting that the solutions that will be preferred must take into cognizance everything. So even though you want to relieve consumers for now, you have to think about the whole population of things. But that's interesting because you also hinted in your answer that some forex supply issues to BDCs may be part of the issue because indeed last week when I spoke to Mr. Hosi and Co, they admitted that the, the 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 skyrocketing price of petroleum, even though global prices are part, was mainly because of forex issues. And some of them felt that the 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 difficulty in getting a stable currency for them and the way the currency was moving was also driving the prices up. So in a sense some of the things you stated in the first answer could also influence the fuel prices because the exchange rate becomes one of the drivers of the price. You are correct. Other stakeholders also argue that it is not just that, but it also includes the way some of the margins are calculated. Some of the margins are more or less ad valorem on hard currency. 
So what it means is that if you have a shift in the global market price in hard currency, the margin also escalates. If you had a scenario where, let's say, you had a CD-based margin uh, on a nominal level, the scenario will be different. So, yes, the currency is part of it. The margins are a part of it. The taxes are a part of it. The supply sources are a part of it. And it's important to look at all of that together. So the, 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 the engagements uh, have started, and the expectation is that by the time they all come to a conclusion about what we can all do together, because we are in this together, Fair enough. Then they can proceed with Yeah, you, you, you've said that we must have an honest conversation about the global situation and all of this. Some people feel that the government must also be more honest about the causes of the problem. And give me two seconds to explain. So, yes, Russia-Ukraine is an issue. Yes, COVID is an issue. But that cannot be the only cause of this. So, for example, currency. Lots of currencies are suffering, but if you look at some of the currency analysis, Bloomberg did an analysis of about 20 currencies. Ours was the worst performing, right? All the countries analyzed were all with COVID. All of them are also dependent on Russia, Ukraine. But yet, our currency has taken a bigger fall. Again, debt levels. Today, we read that BOG had announced that now our debt to GDP is over 80%. Again, there are global issues, but these are things particular to us. So, if the government says let's have an honest conversation, maybe it needs to start from government also admitting that it has not managed the economy as well as it promised, using the currency and the debt levels as two examples. When you came into office, you were very strident in saying, well, you're going to manage the economy better than previous admin. You made a lot of noise about the currency would expose you, exchange rate will expose you and all that. Now we're seeing that things have turned south. And if the government is talking about an honest conversation, it has to start from admitting its own faults, which we haven't really heard. The government has been very frontal with all the data on the economy. The data that you are quoting from the Bank of Ghana, etc., is because nobody has tried or attempted in any way to hide data. The government has been very forthcoming with the kind of data that tells us where we are. You occasionally find, and um, despite the fact that government will tell you what it is. When somebody comes up with a spurious allegation, that's one you have to respond to. The fact that somebody responds to a spurious allegation does not mean that government is not being honest. So today, you have data that tells you where our debt-to-GDP ratio is. And government is saying that that is true. But it was not this way even 12 months ago. So if 12 months ago, somebody was um, telling an untruth, we will have to say that that is not true. But that is not to say that today, the data that is openly made available by government institutions, we should not have an honest conversation about it. But be that as it may, what are the measures that we are taking to ensure that the situation is mitigated and that we get out of it? And that is what we are saying, that we must continue to have an honest conversation about it so that the various stakeholders can all play their role. Government has to do its part. It's going to start with expenditure cuts right from the very top coming down to to um, the very bottom. It's important to engage the stakeholders before those announcements are made. But there are also going to be uh, points of impact or effect on several other uh, constituencies. And those constituencies, uh, we ask to walk that path with us. Because as I mentioned, we're all on it together. We cannot right. dump it on one person mm. that um, it is the fault of labor. 
All right. That is why, you know, salary levels are this way, or it is the fault of this, or it is the fault. The various parts of it come together. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Does the government think that um, the opposition also needs to be involved in this conversation in the sense that I think in their time, when we had a challenge, they called the Senchi consensus, the Senchi meeting, which the MPP did not attend. Does the government see the level of problems we face at the level that requires not just the TUC and all the economic actors you've mentioned, but also the opposition, because they're also a significant uh, player in the in the economy, as it were. Does the government think a conversation that involves them is necessary at this time? Absolutely. And the government has always made efforts to ensure that the stakeholders are engaged. Let me use one as an example. And I think it's a classical example because everywhere, for example, I go, I keep getting that question. Why are you not engaging the opposition? And I'm talking about E-Levy, for example. The government has, right from day one, sought to engage the opposition. The government has, right from day one, made concessions even to its original position on the E-Levy. Unfortunately, in our politics, opposition parties sometimes take a position which is not necessarily born out of the prudence of the policy, but born out of politics. And you cited an example in which, when the MPP was in opposition, it refused to participate in a national conversation on the economy and prepared its own views. The NDC is in opposition and is doing the same thing. But we have consistently offered a seat at the table for discussions with our colleagues in the opposition on some of these measures. Indeed, you will see that some of the stakeholder engagements that I'm talking about um, will include the opposition to get them on the same page. That these are measures that we are seeking to uh, roll out as a country, mm. like other countries are doing. Our prayer will be that we don't do the same old politics we rally around the red, gold, green. Yeah, but I just wanted to ask a quick question. But have you have you organized any platform that you've invited them? Because the difference is that in twenty, I think twenty fourteen, they held the Sinchi event and invited everybody. I don't know if the government has organized an event and invited anybody yet on this economy issue. The one you referred, they they they, they opted to do it in Sinchi. We have opted to do it in Parliament. We have come to Parliament about three, four times for negotiations with the minority, for example, on the matter of the electronic transactions levy. On this particular matter of stakeholder engagement, you will notice that we will engage uh, our colleagues in Parliament on the matter of the measures that are being uh, rolled out. We have elected to do that through the representatives of the people. Good. So just by way of conclusion, you've given me about four or five different things that's happening. Is that all? Is there anything else that the cabinet meeting recommended that you've not mentioned yet? Um, I think security. I don't know if I mentioned security. The security situation is getting more precarious by the day. A lot of the intelligence reports coming from the Sahelian region flowing down south to the coastal states are very worrisome. And despite the fact that we are talking about general practice, and general austerity, etc., we cannot compromise on security because it is getting more precarious by the day. The risks are getting higher by the day. And it is important to show up our protection 
first of all, at the borders and also in country in terms of the intelligence architecture. Uh, because, you know, for some of these entities, they prefer to use sleeper cells, etc., etc. So security is also very worrying. Um, the president has approved a number of um, things, particularly on the intelligence sharing front with uh, coastal states. It's called the Accra Initiative. And it is aimed at ensuring that we're able to beef up the intelligence architecture so that we are not taken by surprise uh, on matters of security. And then finally, I think, uh, though I alluded to it um, specifically, it was a matter for discussion, how to ensure that human quality indicators and the general development is as much as possible protected, even at a time when you have to go through this um, uncompromising fiscal consolidation exercise. What about the COVID restrictions, the border closures, and possibly the tests at the po- at the entry point? Is there any? Is that is that related in any way to the the conversation at all? And were yes, there yes, any yes, conclusions yes. there? Yes, yes. So the president decided that the borders must be open, the land borders must be open. A question of when. What are the residual protocols to ensure that despite opening, COVID and security are not compromised? Um, And then what is the final definition of the at-risk population that will remain tested? Um, That is a final matter of discussion with the task force because, uh, I mean, it is clear that we should only test what we call the at-risk population. And they are going to finalize uh, the definitions of those and then roll out uh, their infrastructure um, before a final opening of these borders. I don't expect it to be more than um, two weeks, but the president himself, when he's uh, finally briefed with the outcome, then is satisfied that they have put all of those things so thank you. It means we expect to hear from the MPC later today. It means finance ministry will also speak at some point during the week. Uh, and who else is going to speak? Any any other agency or government we should expect? I suspect that maybe finance and energy may speak together on matters of fuel. Uh, the president and the COVID task force will deal with COVID issues and the opening of the borders um, separately. And probably I'll be available to answer further questions. Thank you so much. Honorable Kojo Ponkroma, MP for Fasi Arabi, Minister for Information, giving us details or adding more flesh to what we, 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 we knew from yesterday. So, Godfrey, you got your answers there. The Initially, you gave me about four or five high points. He's explained. Mm-hmm. It's quite elaborate. A lot of things. He's not ruled out. I think that was the big headline for you there before we go forever. The fact that all of them, that nothing's off the table. Yes. 